religious leaders have listened to Jesus and have asked him many questions. Will they finally see that he's the Messiah, or will they pick another path? You're listening to The Bible Brief. Since the baptism of Jesus by the prophet John, we've seen some very interesting things from the Messiah, the Son of God. Rather than a conquering military leader who defeats the Roman occupiers and sets up his kingdom, we see a roaming teacher in Judea who teaches the people and his disciples about the coming kingdom. He teaches about how kingdom citizens live in the world as they wait for the kingdom, and about how the faithful life is blessed, even in the midst of difficulty and persecution. Messiah also teaches about the law, the law that God had given the nation long ago through Moses. He demonstrates that the real standard of the law is total righteousness, not just externally, but from the heart and in the mind. This is a standard of godly perfection, a standard that can only be satisfied by God Himself. After all, lest we forget, humans are corrupt. Since that first sin of Adam and Eve in the garden, humans have been spiritually dead and corrupt. We have an inclination to sin, and we actually do sin out of this corruption that we have. Now, with all this teaching, Jesus is fulfilling a role that we talked about in our prior episode, called the Good News of the Gospel of Matthew. Back in that episode, we discussed Jesus, who, though king, is primarily fulfilling and acting as a prophet in his earthly ministry, the prophet like Moses. One who would speak the words of God in a way that was like Moses back in the wilderness with the Israelites. In that episode, we explored this relationship of similarity between Moses and Jesus. We started by noting that Moses and Jesus were saved from murderous death as infants. But this similarity between the two is perhaps best highlighted in the teaching of Moses and Jesus. If you'll recall, Moses went up onto Mount Sinai, to receive teaching from God that was the basis for the law of the nation of Israel. Moses was a prophet that spoke the words he received from God. Now Jesus was like Moses, but different from him. Jesus also goes up on a mountain to deliver his famous sermon that we focused on a few episodes back. Remember what we call that sermon? The Sermon on the Mount. Well, what you should notice is that Jesus isn't receiving the teaching from anyone when he's up on the mountain. He's the source of the words. He's the source of the words of God. Again, Jesus is God, and so he's the best kind of prophet, the Son of God, communicating the words of God. Now, this similarity between Jesus and Moses should help us understand Jesus in the Gospels. He's primarily exercising his role as a prophet while teaching in Judea. He's going around, like the prophets of old, and telling others what God says, what he says. And just like the prophets of old, there were some who listened, believed his message, and accepted him, and there were some who rejected his message and sought to silence him. What is Jesus' message? That the kingdom of Messiah was coming and had to be entered humbly by God's mercy and through God's righteousness received by faith. Faith not in the message, but in the God who will accomplish the message, the same God who is proclaiming this message all around Judea. But this kingdom message of humility, mercy, and faith is hostile to a proud and sinful world. In fact, it attacks the very foundations of the style of righteousness measuring that the Pharisees and other Jewish leaders had grown so fond of. 
And remember, Jesus' message was a message not just of a coming kingdom, but of himself, the king who would rule the kingdom. In rejecting the message of Jesus, Jesus himself was rejected. Now, throughout the ministry of Jesus, we see the beginnings of this rejection by the religious leadership. Listen to an example here when Jesus heals a paralyzed man. On one of those days as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there, who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Notice their question. Who is this? Who is this who speaks blasphemies? They assume with no evidence that Jesus can't forgive sins. And so they accuse him in their thoughts of speaking falsehoods about God. And they ask another question in their minds that rings with irony. Who can forgive sins but God alone? They rightly understand that only God can forgive sins, but they wrongly assume that Jesus could not be God in the flesh. Then we read, When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Rise up and walk? Jesus, in effect, says to them, Look, anyone can say your sins are forgiven, but no one but God could be involved in the healing of a man from paralysis. Then he says this, But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home, glorifying God. And amazement seized them all, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, We have seen extraordinary things today. To these religious leaders, Jesus provided a proof that he could indeed forgive sins, and it wasn't just words. He could forgive because he had the power to forgive. And to prove he had the power, he said to the paralyzed man, Rise up and walk. Jesus showed them a miracle similar to the signs that God gave the Israelites throughout the Old Testament. Remember the pillar of cloud and fire? The parting of the Red Sea? The manna bred from heaven? The destruction of Jericho? Gideon's 300 versus the 135,000? And you know by now that that's just a sample. Yet throughout the Old Testament, we see the Israelites continue to reject God's rule over them. They reject him at Mount Sinai and build a golden calf. They reject him as king over them after coming into the land. They reject him under Jeroboam by building two more golden calves. And they reject him throughout the nation by their disobedience of the law under many of the kings. Rejection, then, among the Israelites is common. Faith is the exception, not the rule. So it shouldn't come to us as a surprise that the leaders of the Jews reject Jesus just as their forefathers rejected God. Now let's move on to another example. 
This happens at someone's home, a Pharisee named Simon. Something odd happens at the home, though, and we see a woman of apparently sinful reputation. And she comes before Jesus, and it says, She brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind Jesus at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and wiped them with the hair of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Simon the Pharisee is aghast and thinks to himself, if Jesus really were a prophet, he'd have known that this woman was no good. And then Jesus tells Simon to listen to a very short parable. A certain moneylender had two debtors, one who owed 500 denarii and the other that owed 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And Jesus said to him, You have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, Jesus said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. Simon here gets a lesson from Jesus for the ages, and his point is simply this. The woman knew her own sin, and knew Jesus was the only one who could forgive them. And her expression of love is an embodiment of faith in Jesus. Further, the comparative lack of love shown by Simon to Jesus is evidence of his opinion of himself. He apparently doesn't believe his sins amount to so much that he would need to be forgiven much. With his sins viewed as little, he believes his need for forgiveness is little, and so he doesn't show Jesus the kind of love that this woman does. Then Jesus emphasizes his point. Listen to this. And he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Again, Jesus is here before religious leadership forgiving sins. In some ways, it's as if he's saying, You've got to respond. Pick the left or the right. I can either do this or I can't. I'm either the son of God or I'm not. Your move. And they will make their move, but at the right time. Now Messiah's ministry is perhaps at a fever pitch when he makes his final approach to Jerusalem. And the response of the crowd is something that the Pharisees see too. Listen to this as Jesus travels into Jerusalem. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks along the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them out on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. In just a few verses here, the crowds identify Jesus as the son of David, that seed of David that will inherit his throne and they identify him as a prophet who speaks God's words. The crowd was getting it right. 
And soon, that same week, Jesus is in the temple, that great second temple initially built by Zerubbabel hundreds of years prior. And listen to what happens here. The blind and the lame come to him in the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. These chief priests in the temple, the highest religious leadership in the nation, were indignant and upset at what the children were saying about Jesus. Wasn't he going to correct them? Wasn't he going to tell them that he wasn't the Messiah? And they said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes. Have you never read in the Psalms, Out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies, you have prepared praise? These children knew exactly who Jesus was. The religious amateurs, the fishermen, the prostitutes, the tax collectors, they knew who Jesus was. The religious leaders? Well, they'd been stuck at the same question through all of Jesus' ministry. They kept saying, Who is this? Who is this? Who is this? But it would be this week, the week of Jerusalem welcoming the Son of David, that these leaders would finally show their hand. Soon we read this. The chief priests and the elders of the people gathered in the palace of the high priest and plotted together in order to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. The question they'd been asking turned into something else. Who is this? Became, it doesn't matter. He's as good as dead. Thanks for listening to The Bible Brief. Do you have a question about the Bible? It could be featured on a future show. You can submit a question by going to our website, BibleLiteracyFoundation.com, and clicking on the podcast page. There you can submit a text or audio question. We'd love to hear from you. Copyright Bible Literacy Foundation 2022.